Big thank you to Tyrac for all their support of our internship program that we run with students from St. Joseph and Marion High Schools here in Michiana. The students receive practical college-level internship experience. Helping out with our broadcast of high school football wouldn't be possible without the underwriting support from the folks at Tire Rack. More tires, great prices. Visit TireRack.com. Last week, our featured guests were Blake Wesley and J.R. Kinesny. Last night, Notre Dame men's basketball uh exhibition game over Nazareth they won by 40 points Wesley had 11 points in 21 minutes JR had four points in 18 minutes they were the first two guys off the bench they were number six and seven so it's good to see so uh our our weeks go polar opposites Kevin we go from the the future Notre Dame <laughs> stars to a past Notre Dame great and I know uh Chris Zorich is our feature interview I know he's one of your all-time favorites from when you were younger yeah, definitely. I was, uh, let's see, 88. So I was like in junior high. So I really, really looked up to him and I played defensive line like him. And yeah, no, he's awesome. You mean you also played defensive line, not like him? <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty, I was oh, pretty right. tough as a, a player. I was all right. All right, all right. Fair <laughs> enough. Uh, Zorch, of course, playing at Notre Dame from 87 to 90, starting defensive lineman on the 88 National Championship team, All-American. Then after that, as a junior and senior, went on to play in the NFL for the Bears, college football Hall of Famer, just really a great conversation about being part of Notre Dame's last national championship team. What Lou Holtz says is Lou's biggest regret from his coaching days and also a Great story. You may have heard it before, but it's always worth listening to. Chris, about his recruitment from Chicago and how he thought Notre Dame was really far away, and I mean really far away, uh, oceans away, if you will. Here's my conversation with uh, Notre Dame legend Chris Orch. All right, buddy. Uh, good to hear from you again. Uh, it's been a bit since we last talked. Can you believe that it's now more than 30 years uh, since uh, your playing days at Notre Dame uh, ended? It's very scary. Um I, I think about that all the time. It's one of those things where it's good in a sense, but also frustrating because Notre Dame has not won a national championship since then. And, and I'm sure if you talk to the guys from my era, that's literally all we talk about is, you know, when is it going to happen again? And it's nice to be the last one. I just didn't think it was going to take 30, 30 years, 30 plus years for this thing to kind of, um, uh, someone kind of take the responsibility and take the reins. Yeah, it is crazy to think about that. And I imagine you guys thought you were going to get it the next year in, in 89. And we can, <laughs> we could talk Very about, true. Very true. we could talk about that. Uh, but, and coach Holtz always joked that not joked. If I think he was serious, that he thought the 89 team was better than the 88 team. Uh, but actually let's go there. Uh, let's, let's just sure. go right into it. Uh, was 89 better than 88? Outside of the tremendous senior leadership that we had in 88, and you talk about something like Frank Stams, Andy Heck, Mark Green, um, Wes Pritchett. I mean, these are individuals that really kind of saw kind of the dark ages of Notre Dame football. They were there with Faust. They were there when they got beat 58-7 by Miami. Um, so that leadership really kind of carried over to the 88 year where we had a lot of young guys who did, who knew nothing about kind of the history that they had with Miami or these other teams that really kind of dominated uh, Notre Dame for years. It was great in the sense that it was there had tremendous leadership. And that's the reason why we won in 88. And everybody said, you know, hey, we were supposed to win in 89. We came up with that one game short. But it's really interesting. I, 
you know, this is kind of 30 years later and on my podcast, uh, I had coach Holtz on and out of the blue, you know, he just said, you know, Hey, I'd like to talk about the one thing that I regret during my college coaching days. I'm like, wow, you know, what was that? You know, I'm, I'm, kind, of, I'm kind of stunned. And he was like, Christian, it was that 89 Miami game. And for, for those folks who may or may not know, um, we, uh, Miami won in 87, the national championship. We won the national championship in 88. And we were actually number one going into that Miami game in 89. And we had this reputation of being kind of this aggressive, kind of, you know, we're not going to back down. And of course, Miami kind of taunted us. And so we got in like a couple of skirmishes before the game. And Coach Holtz brought us in the locker room and he said, if you guys get into another fight, I'm going to resign. And so, you know, we're, we're kind of like stunned, like, you know, what? Like, you're kidding me. And so we actually went out after his speech, went out and we were, we were, we were really flat. And we kind of needed that kind of um, that, that aggressive attitude, which he had taken away. And he apologized to me and, the, you know, the whole team on my podcast. And I was like, uh, wow. So I sent it out after the podcast was over. I sent it out to all the guys that it was so interesting to kind of see his perspective then and now. And he was even saying he was, he was under a lot of pressure from the university because, again, um, we were kind of a, a different type of player, different type of team than they had in the past. And, you know, we weren't going to back down and we, we wound up getting into a lot of fights and sports illustrated at one point called me the meanest player in college football. <laughs> so, I mean, that that's not a reputation that Notre Dame likes to have. Right. And so going in and, and it's interesting because we didn't know as players that he was under all this pressure. So it was just kind of an interesting dynamic, but if you kind of take that game out of it, and, you know, we have another great game. I mean, we, have, we would win back-to-back national championships because of the, the talent. Um, we had better talent in, in 89 than we actually had in 88. Outside of that senior leadership that I mentioned before, it was really the, the talent that took over in 89. But that was kind of this momentous kind of situation that, again, I didn't think was going to happen. But all of a sudden, you know, he, he kind of talks about it on my podcast and I was like, wow. Now, granted, I mean, it's 30 years later and I wish we would have, you know, kind of had that. I mean, he wish we would have thought about it before he went to the locker room and told us, but, you know, <laughs> it's kind of a growing pains. Notre Dame legend Chris Zorge joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. Notre Dame getting set to face North Carolina tonight. Uh, talking, reminiscing here with Chris about his playing days. And, you know, we're talking about, obviously, he's on the last Notre Dame National Championship team back in 88, winning that national championship as a sophomore on the team. And that's your coming out party in 88. You, you didn't really get to do too much in 87. But to be a part of that, uh, you know, coming out as a sophomore, you mentioned the senior leadership that was there. What was that experience like for you, Chris, to be kind of like the young guy who was rising through the ranks and, and being a main player on, on that defense as the seniors led you guys to a national championship? Well, you know, I mean, it was really just kind of this, this really crazy uh, crazy experience because I mean, I didn't play at all my first year. I was on the, the prep squad. I mean, I was holding tackling dummies for the starters. So I never thought I was ever going to play in their name at all. And so um, then I got moved to defensive tackle or a nose guard from 
linebacker, and I definitely didn't think I'd ever play. Um, but you know, as this time went on, the the the, uh, the spring happened, the, the the summer came past, and all of a sudden I was a starter. Now I was used to playing in front of maybe maybe a hundred hundred fifty people in my high school um, for our games. So the first game I play against Michigan, first time Notre Dame had ever had a night game before. I mean, there were, uh, I think at that time, the stadium held like 57,000, I think, or something like that. But there were millions of people watching on TV. And that was just the most amazing experience ever. Um, you talk about kind of, I get chills kind of talking about it now, but it's like I mean, going through the tunnel for the first time um, as a player, knowing that you're going to play, um, wearing that uniform, um, kind of all the pageantry that went on with being a part of Notre Dame football, I was finally part of that. And I don't even remember. I mean, I've seen, obviously seen film of it, but I don't remember the game because it was more of a blur because I was just so out of my mind. And I mean, I wound up jumping off sides like three or four times. I thought I was going to get pulled, but wound up having like nine or 10 tackles, a sack, I mean, a, a couple sacks, I think. So it was just an amazing, amazing experience. And so for me, being this young kid thinking, hey, you know, this is how it's going to be all the time. And it was that level of the expectation. I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. So for me, kind of that first year, 88, me having a chance to play for the first time was just absolutely just amazing. And really didn't think, and the way we were taught was kind of take each game at a time. So that Michigan game, you know, we wound up, we won, I think, by a point or two because Reggie Ho kicked like 100 field goals or something like that. So it was just one of those situations where, you know, we were still kind of fighting and scrapping um, throughout the whole season until we started to play the, the, the Miamis and, and USC's and everything. Chris, what when you look at this year's squad and you look at, uh, let's start, you know, your defensive lineman, great. So let's talk about Isaiah Foskey a little bit. Uh, and the way he's been playing this year, what are, what are your thoughts on the way he's raised his game and what makes him so special out there? Well, I mean, one, I mean, he's a great player and really kind of comes through when we need him. The idea, I think he had, did he have two sacks or one sack last? I forgot what he had against uh, USA. I think he had two. But the idea of, I mean, having a player like that, I just wish, you know, we had more because – He's a great athlete, but more importantly, I mean, for the offense, I mean, he causes problems. And when, when, when you have a player like that, you always have to be aware where he's at. And so when, whenever, wherever he lines up, I mean, an offense is going to have to make sure that they have him covered. So now you're talking about, they have to change kind of their game plan, making sure that they can block them. And that's something that, that I think every defensive coordinator would want. And I think Marcus Freeman is able to kind of capitalize on that and kind of moving him around a little bit. He's not doing a lot, but he's, he's moving around enough where now offenses have to make sure where he's at. And that really um, uh, causes problems for the offense. No Kyle Hamilton for Notre Dame in this game against North Carolina. How big of a blow is that? And how much does that change Notre Dame's defense? Uh, do, do you feel? Cause obviously we know how extraordinary he is. Sure. And, and, and Kyle's a great player. And it's just really unfortunate that he wound up getting injured against um, USC. But, and, and Kelly has talked about this before, it's kind of next man up. And when you look at um, the guy, and I forgot his name, who replaced him. DJ Brown. Um, yeah, I mean, he wound up making some great plays. 
you know, and, and so it's great that now at an important position, we have individuals now when someone goes out, you have a, a, a player that can come in and there really isn't that much of a, of a step down from the person that was starting. And so I think it's going to be a huge loss, but I think it's one of those situations where um, you, you always talk about kind of how tough uh, you are and what that leadership is like. And, and oftentimes I think about um, how the, the, the test for a true leader is what happens during adversity. And when you have an individual like Kyle who's not going to be there, you know, who's going to step up and who's going to make plays? Notre Dame legend Chris Zorge joining us here on Notre Dame Federal Credit Union's Irish Sports Saturdays. What what made you choose to go to Notre Dame in the first place, Chris? You mentioned being recruited by Miami. I'm sure you had a bunch of different offers. What what made Notre Dame the right fit for you? Uh, so it's a really interesting story, and, and I don't know if you've heard this before, but when I was being recruited, I came from an area where college really wasn't um, a thing where I grew up and it was a big deal if you graduated from high school. So no one really ever went to college. And so when um, Kurt Schottenheimer, he was the linebacker coach at Notre Dame way back when, when he came to my high school, um, he asked me how I'd like to attend Notre Dame. And my neighborhood on the southeast side of Chicago is about 90 miles from Notre Dame. And you jump on the Skyway, you're right there. And, but I didn't know that. And so he asked me, I was like, you know, I would love to, but my mom doesn't like to fly. And he kind of looked <laughs> a little strange. What do you mean your mom doesn't like to fly? And honestly, God, I said, there's no way my mom would fly to France to see me play. And he kind of looked at me and said, France. And I was like, well, yeah, you guys got the hunchback guy in the little church, right? And he was like, whoa. I'm sure he looked at the file like, eh, and he put a big, probably put a big X there. And he was like, this, this kid doesn't even know where Notre Dame is. He was like, well, actually, son, you know, we're only 90 miles away. And I was like, really? But again, I didn't know, right? So he left the media guide and left some other information. So I just devoured that information. And one of the things that, that stood out for me was the importance of academics. And at that time, the graduation rate was 98.98. So my options were either going to be going to Notre Dame or going to Northwestern. And I didn't realize how important it would be for me to be so local. Um, obviously, Northwestern is in Evanston. It's actually probably just a little bit closer than, than Notre Dame was for my neighborhood, but it was close. And my mom had a chance to kind of come to every home game. So that was important. But I was really sold on the fact that it was, it was a great academic institution when I found out that it was not in France. Okay, so once you uh, got on campus and realized you were in uh, South Bend and not in France, what were, uh, what were some of your favorite spots uh, on campus and maybe now? Uh, when you're going back to campus, where are the places you like to to pay visit to? Well, it, it's just funny because, I mean, although you say, you know, it was only 90 miles away, it wasn't France. It could have been France for me, right? Because I, mean, I grew up in a rough neighborhood. There were a lot of gangs, drugs, and violence and everything. But I got there, and there's a lake on campus. I mean, I was feeding the ducks, feeding the squirrels, and the squirrels would come up to you. My neighborhood, you know, you see a squirrel, it's, it's gone. And... Um, my dog's here and I said, squirrel, she popped up. You know? um, so it's just really weird because when I was on campus, I mean, you know, I take walks around the lake. It was just this peaceful, serene environment that was literally millions of miles away from where, where, where I grew up, even though it was only 90 minutes. So, you know, I had a chance to kind of really experience two classes at St. Mary's where um, our daughter currently is a sophomore. 
So I really kind of experienced kind of a whole um, campus, but obviously my favorite places obviously were um, the grotto, obviously, and, and I went to Soren, so I always like to go back to kind of sort and see if they improved that a little bit. And then at that time, um, the bookstore courts, they were right behind Soren, uh, the dorm. And I mean, I remember like two, three o'clock in the morning, sometimes people would be playing basketball. So I was kind of like to look at that, but the campus has changed so much. I mean, I was gone for a period of, I worked at Notre Dame for a little bit, but um, after that, I was gone for a while. I came back and I didn't even recognize the place. You got an event. You're coming to town on Friday at, at Augie's locker room, Friday to one yes. to three p.m. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on there. So it's really fun. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to to meet, uh, spend time with Lisa Kelly. Yep, yep, um, great. She's a phenomenal individual. I kind of call her the modern historian of Notre Dame because she's written several books um, on the football program and kind of former players. But this book it's called uh, Domer Dishes. And she literally talked to a whole bunch of guys, me included, and asked kind of what our favorite dishes were and kind of give us a little story. And so it's really cool that you have all these amazing players, but also kind of get an insight of kind of the foods that they like. And so folks are able to kind of put together some great meals. Lisa and myself are going to be at Augie's uh, locker room on the uh, Friday, November 5th from 1 to 3, as you mentioned. And we're just going to be signing stuff. Uh, She's going to be signing her book. I'll have a memorabilia there to sign for folks and really kind of have a good time. But it's, it's great because it's so cool. I don't know if you've ever been to Augie's locker room before, but he has that place is like a, a, a museum. I mean, you can walk in there and you can buy things like from the, the um, era's era. Um, you can find a lot of really unique memorabilia that a lot like eBay doesn't have. A lot of these places don't have. I mean, he even has like a, a Lou Holtz um, uh, doll. Like, I was like, what are you kidding me? I didn't know they made a doll for Lou Holtz. And I mean, I spent so much time in South Bend, so it kind of allows me to kind of hang out with, with, with the fans in South Bend. Chris, thank you very much for taking the time to be with us today and uh, enjoy your time in South Bend next weekend. Angela, this has been a blast, man. Thank you. The great Chris Zorich again. He'll be at Augie's locker room. You can meet him there on uh, Friday from 1 to 3 p.m. Signing some autographs. Chris also hosts a couple podcasts. So just search Chris Zorich on YouTube and you can find those. Uh, I love the story of the 88 National Championship team of finally getting his opportunity as a sophomore and yeah. not getting to play as a freshman. But, Kevin, you, you actually <laughs> met him when he was a freshman before he became – the All-American Chris Zorich. Yes, yeah, so my mom was a teacher for South Bend Community Schools, and um, a lot of times the people in the community will ask Notre Dame to send some players. So since it was just for a little grade school, they sent you know a freshman or two, and one of those was Chris Zorich. And again, um, you know, before he got famous and everything, it was really neat just to meet him because he was really, really down to earth uh, and humble. And then just to watch him, and again playing nose guard too, it was so cool to see somebody with that much energy like the guys we were talking about earlier yeah he and he's a great dude uh always enjoy conversations with chris uh so thank thanks again to him for coming on uh the show this week Hi, this is Angel DiCarlo. By now, I'm sure you've heard the commercials about Elevate 150 from Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. My wife and I took part in the free financial checkup and got Redeemer Radio $150, so pretty awesome there. But we also got a lot more. Notre Dame FCU helped us out with a bunch of items that we have been pushing off for a while. Now we're in a much better position financially thanks to Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. 
Now it's your chance for better financial health. Sign up for a free checkup at NerdAimFCU.com slash Elevate.